0: Hello friends, welcome to the podcast. I hope your day is treating you well. I am spending this quarter writing my book, which means that we are posting a few of my personal favorite episodes from the last year. This episode originally aired earlier this year, but I'm wondering if you got a chance to listen to it. If you're interested in the book, you can be one of the first people to know when it goes live by signing up for our newsletter list at club For now, Thanks for being here, and let's get into the episode. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are beginning a conversation on a really big topic, grief. But first, today's Rosebud and thorn. My rose for today is that it's, I'm recording this on Friday, which means it's planning day, and it's the last day of January, which means it's monthly planning day. This is like my favorite day of the month. I get to go through all of the things that I did in January and really look at what I'm planning for the next month. I'm talking tasks for every different area of work in my life. We are, um, you know, creating content calendars for the podcast, for YouTube, for Instagram. All of it's going down today. And I just love doing that kind of work. So, big rose for today. The bud is I also am cleaning my office today. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to giving it a good scrub down. It's, um, usually I clean every Friday, but, on um, the last Friday of the month, I do the deep clean. We're like going to mop the floors and all the good stuff. So my office is going to feel nice and sparkling. My thorn for today is I woke up with a headache and I don't know if you experience this or not, but I can never decide if it's, if I should take medicine or not. I just like have this like weird thing about taking headache medicine. Like I think I can just will my headache away or maybe just drink enough water to where the headache won't exist anymore because headache medicine just feels really scary to me for some reason. Like if I take too much of it over the course of my life, um, like what if it creates further problems, which, you know, I know it can happen, but who knows what the limit is? It's so ambiguous. And so my anxiety is like freaked out around headache medicine, but then I have a headache and I could never quite decide which is worse. So right now we're living with the headache. We'll probably take medicine, um, this afternoon, but that's my form for the day. Now let's dive into today's episode. So here's the deal. I have to preface this with, I do not feel quite qualified to be leading a conversation on grief. I'm not a grief expert by any means. In fact, as a seven, that's one of the few things I'd ever call myself an expert on. (laughs) However, I have walked my own walk with grief in the past year, and it has changed me, and well, we're going to talk about it. Just know that this comes more from my reading and my personal experience than it does from a place of being a teacher on the topic. I am still and will always be very much a student of grief. Today, I'm going to share with you the five things that grief taught me this past year, and tomorrow we're going to dive deeper into tips for grief by each Enneagram type. Okay, so lesson number one is that you have just this one precious life right? And this is something that as a seven, I feel like has been the undercurrent of my existence is just like, you get one life, make the most of it. Um, So in that way, I've almost always lived like this, right? Like I've always lived as though I better do as much as I can so that I, when I'm on my deathbed, I can look back with no regrets. I didn't miss anything. No stone was left unturned. Watching, you know, experiencing grief and, living through this experience really um, showed me a different way of thinking about that. And more so um, shifting from I better do it all to I better be here, right? And I want to really see the day. I don't want to rush through it. I don't want to fill it so full that I... I don't have time to really even pause and breathe and look at the sunshine, right? I wanna, I wanna live more slowly. You know, I think that the the passing of my father and the, and my my grief journey really slowed me down. I went from traveling, you know, two or three times a month to COVID hitting and being home and learning to appreciate that in its own way. To the passing of my father, which. You know, made me want to be really, really present with every moment that I have, um, both with the people who I love and with just this beautiful world that is here. And for me, that's looked like I want to be home more. I want to be off my phone more. I want to pause more often and just notice. The other morning I woke up and I just looked out the window and I there was music playing and the trees were kind of swaying and I just kind of watched the trees for I want to say a good 15 minutes and and listened, watch them watch them sway along with the music and that's the kind of thing I'm really trying to call in to my life as I move forward it's just really slowing down and being here. And, and to me, that is um, a day well savored to me feels more meaningful than a life with an endless stream of accomplishments, right? Like I have lived that life for so long of, I'm just going to do the next big thing. I'm going to call in more. I'm going to do more. I want, you know, more, 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 more. And I'm kind of at this season of really wanting to be here with what is and even doing less, right? Like really relieving some of that burden of more. Lesson number two is you really should say the things you mean to say to the people you love. I think... One of my defense mechanisms is that I don't need anyone. And so when I have been hurt in the past, my response is like to wipe my hands, right? Like, okay, I'm done. Um, So with, to be like really vulnerable and really transparent, like with my dad, um, he did a lot of harm in our, in our younger years to my mom and to our family and, he never quite became the person who could be a father to me. And my whole life, it was kind of like this thing on my to-do list that I would someday form a relationship with him that was meaningful, or I would someday, you know, send him a, another letter. I used to, he and I, when I was a kid would write letters back and forth and, even into college and then as i got older um i quit you know we quit doing that partially because it was really hard for me it was really sad for me to do that with him but um you know i kept thinking like one day i'll pick that back up or one day i'll go visit him as an adult and we'll have kind of a new relationship part of that was not my responsibility, right? Like he had, there's a reason we didn't have a relationship. It's not because I just didn't want to. Um, it's because it wasn't the right, you know, it wasn't healthy necessarily for me, but, um, at the same time, like those things, and and I think that I say the defense mechanism piece of this, because I think my defense mechanism was like, you know, I don't really need a dad. I, I don't that wound isn't there. I don't feel sad about that. Um, And then it wasn't until he was gone that I was like, oh, whoa, I did need a dad. And I didn't get the dad that I wanted or needed or deserved or anyone deserved. And I'll never be able to reconcile that with him. You know, we'll never be able to talk it out. I'll never be able to you know, that hope for what we had is gone, you know, died along with him. And in this balance of, you know, do I have a regret for not giving more to the attempt to create a relationship there? Or, you know, do we release that because it was never ours to carry? And I will say there's obviously some mixture of those things. Um, I do wish that he'd like got to meet my kid, you know, even though he, it doesn't, I don't know that I wanted him to have like a relationship with him, that I felt like that would have been like healthy for him, but I do wish he'd got to meet him. Um, I wish that I'd spent a little bit more time at the house that he grew up in. That was my grandma's house. That is really meaningful to me. It now, it might not even exist for much longer. You know, it, it was a really really it was like a shanty you know and it is probably going to get torn down maybe before i get to to go see it again um but i i wish i would gotten to see that you know um things like that so i wish that my kid had gotten to to go there and see that part of my life and and experience it cuz it's so many memories are there so yeah the, and i think my whole life i knew like i need to go see him before he dies you know, he was older. I had no idea how he was going to die or like how that was going to happen. But I thought like, I need to go see him before he dies. And then I didn't, and it was over. And um, it, it feels like, oh yeah, that, that really does happen. If that makes sense. Today's podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Friends, Therapy is probably the highlight of my week right now. It is just a place where I get to go, someone who listens to me. I'm personally a verbal processor. Just to have someone who can sit with me, let me ramble until we come to a solution and give me wise, thoughtful feedback and ask me questions that kind of get me thinking a little bit differently or point out things that maybe I haven't been quite aware of myself. Therapy is like having a friend who is trained to be the perfect friend, and a friend who like you get to be fully selfish with, who just like, this space is for you, and I'm holding that place for you, and I'm also a trained mental health expert. You know, it's like a dream. The best way to think about therapy is through a bunch of analogies, right? We get our oil changes for our cars to prevent bigger issues down the road. We see the doctor, and we go to the gym to take care of our bodies to prevent injury and disease. We do chores regularly, I mean some of us do, and to avoid a messy house, right? We go to therapy is like all of the above. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. Going to therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you are investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So. You don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. This was perfect for me when I was traveling all the time too. Like I could just talk to someone every single day and friends to be fully transparent with you. BetterHelp is what I was using when I lost my father. And it was so incredible to have my therapist right there on my phone when I needed someone for the whole first week that he was gone. I was texting my therapist every single day. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not in your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Enneagram & Coffee listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com egram. That's betterhel dot com slash Graham. Thank you, BetterHelp, for supporting the podcast. Lesson number three is it's okay to be messy. You know, I was and sometimes still am an absolute wreck. Um, It really just tore me open in a way that I could not have anticipated and I've never felt before. And I've had to just be more vulnerable, more rawly broken than ever before and more publicly. So, and and that's okay. It's human. It's gives other people permission to be the same. And it just is what it is. Like there's no fixing it or solving it or making it go away. Like it is messy and that's okay. You know, we make it through and that is You know, I think if anything, our society is ill-equipped to handle grief and handle pain. And with with this process, you kind of realize how little you have control over over your grief and how it just kind of, it transforms you whether you like it or not. It's going to take over whether you like it or not. And that's all okay. Not only will you be okay, but it's also you're not less worthy, you're not less lovable, you're not less good because you're messy. It's all right. Lesson number four is that it's okay to be supported. I have never needed to be taken care of more in my life than I did in 2020. Not only with my dad, you know, that I'll get to that in a second. That was like next level, but you know, I've been sick. I, I've had lung issues since like late 2019 and I've been weaker. I've had a harder time getting through the day. Um, I get really sad about that sometimes, you know? And I am an extrovert and I have not been able to touch anyone other than my husband and my kiddo for over a year, you know? So that's been really hard. And then my dad, you know, things, things with my dad happened and it broke me. You know, I, I really, I can't really even remember much about like the two weeks after, um, other than just like, Obi really, my husband just really stepped up and he, he kept our life moving. He kept me going. He kept me fed, you know, he like did everything. And that is like hard for me. That is like not, that was new for me this year, you know, this past year. And, and I survived it. We survived it. And and honestly, like our marriage has never been stronger than in that season of really letting him take the lead um, and take, take over and just kind of make sure everything's going to be okay. And in the same way, um, I have my amazing assistant, Jenny, who has stepped in and just been the support on the business end of things in a in a, such a deep way that like when I shut down, my business didn't shut down. You know, she was still taking care of people. She was still moving things along making sure that things were going up and getting taken care of and sending me flowers, you know, like just letting, like letting these two people really just take care of me in personal and professional ways. Like just, I couldn't have done that two years ago. You know, if you'd asked me like, if this, you know, if grief hadn't come in, that lesson wouldn't have been learned. Not in the same way. Lesson number five your sadness will not kill you. It can't be solved, and it might come up when you least expect it. This is the biggest one, right? Like, I have always felt like sadness was something to be solved, right? If I feel sad, Um, I better fix it and I better do whatever I can desperately to make it go away so that it does not suck me under and keep me there forever. You know, this fear that like my feelings will become who I am really terrified me. And this experience just showed me like you can go to the depths of it and i will say that like because of the enneagram i have intentionally tried to feel it and let it run through me and not try to solve it or fix it or make it go away I'm just letting it be here and it showed me like yeah you're you're okay you can do this you can be there with it and you can get through this and it will not take you under The other thing is that, yeah, it can't be solved. There's nothing to fix here. The sadness is going to come and it's going to go. And there's not really anything you can do about it. There's no amount of occupying yourself, no amount of planning or dreaming or spending of money that is going to make the sadness go away. It just exists. And it might come up when you least expect it, right? Like I sometimes just will be watching a movie and someone will, they'll they'll mention suicide or um, someone will talk about suicide or my husband might mention suicide or um, there's a movie with a really incredible father figure or a movie where um, there's a bad father figure or a father dies and it just sweeps me out of nowhere and I'm sobbing. Um, there's this movie Jingle Jangle that we watched at Christmas with our little, and there's this scene where the dad and the daughter kind of reconnect and reconcile, and he's still broken, you know, but he's getting better, and then she comes in and they kind of reconcile and you know, that's the moment that I always thought I would have with my dad that I'll never get to have and um. I, we were watching that movie and it just took me over, you know, just like shaking and sobbing and, you know, my kids like, what's going on? And I couldn't, you know, there's nothing I could do. It wasn't like I, I don't, I'm so used to having these feelings in private and that's just not a thing I can do anymore. Like I just have them, they come and they show up and I ride the ride and we get through it, you know? Um, the bonus lesson, I I had one more, I snuck it in there is that people are good. I really believe that people are good and we're all walking our own journeys with grief. And it's kind of like this secret club that we're in, you know, like once you, once you talk about grief, other people kind of start to come out of the woodworks and say, yeah, grief did this to me too. It changed me too. Here's how I've been walking with grief. Um, and I say people are good because in my life, you know, I've, I've said this b- before, maybe on the podcast, maybe just to friends and <laughs> private, I don't know. Um, you might have heard me say this before, but I think that I've always experienced that people are good most when I'm traveling alone. Um it's like no matter what country I'm in, if I need support or need help, I can always find someone. And that generally, like people just are are kind and like want to take care of each other and like want to be good, bright lights in the world. Um, I think it's the rare um, person who who intends to do harm and even rarer, um, the person who does harm who who wasn't harmed before, right? And who isn't just hurting underneath. And, you know, we're all kind of working, all walking our own journeys with grief. And as we start to share and open up and be more vulnerable, then other people can kind of come around us and say, yeah, me too. I've been there. I see you. You are loved. You're okay. It's going to be okay. Um, this sucks, you know? And I think, um, when you've, when you've been through grief, you start to attract and connect with other people who maybe have felt the same. And you, you, I don't know, there's just a different kind of support that I felt from strangers on the internet than I've ever felt before. Just people, people connecting with me and their grief and me and my grief. And as a seven, I will say most of my life, I felt like I'm wanted because I'm happy. I'm wanted because I'm fun. And so to be loved in the darkness, in my messiest, in my just my, the biggest version of me being a hot mess, sad, sad girl, like being seen in that and people being like, oh, I see you. That's okay. It's so, so good. Right. If you're in my circle, and especially if you've walked with grief recently, I have likely recommended the book, It's Okay That You're Not Okay. This book really held my hand through my father's passing and even helped me to explore the grief I hadn't dealt with from the passing of my grandfather in 2019. It is everything I needed. And if you're wanting support, maybe it's what you need too. So I'm going to link it in the show notes for you. This is not like sponsored or anything. I just want everyone to read this book who needs it. Today's Food for Thought is from the book, It's Okay That You're Not Okay. The quote is, the way to live inside of grief is not by removing pain, but by doing what we can to reduce suffering. Knowing the difference between pain and suffering can help you understand what things can be changed and what things simply need your love and attention. I look forward to hearing how you feel about that, what you've thought about it, And as tomorrow, we will go into Enneagram type specific conversations around grief. As always, it is such a joy to create this content for you. If you have a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes, it would be amazing. Five star reviews are a big deal to podcasters and yours would be the big deal to me. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you tomorrow.